Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is yet another edition of East Coast Bias on the Ringer Gambling Show. Of course, for our friends over at FanDuel TV, John Jastrzemski, Joe House, Raheem Palmer. The NBA Finals are set. We have quite the end to the Eastern Conference Finals. Thank heavens, I'm not going to have to hear about Derek White and being in the right place at the right time and this iconic Boston sports moment and this iconic 3-0 comeback. That all goes out the window when the Miami Heat go and win Game 7 and win Game 7 in convincing fashion, which now sets the stage for the Nuggets and the Heat Thursday night in the Mile High City. But Joe House, Raheem Palmer, as I welcome you guys in, House, I know Derek White didn't hit that third three, but you had a Heat and seven ticket. Raheem was all over the unders. I told you about Duncan Robinson not having a big day, and I told you Miami was going to go and cover the number. I I would say game seven, a pretty profitable one for the East Coast Bias boys. Just saying. JJ, it worked out the way that the hoops gods intended, both for the us good guys right here, but also... Within the first minute of the game, really, because the Tatum ankle injury really set the stage for the way that that game seven played out. He only ended up, Jason Tatum only ended up with 13 shot attempts. He only ended up with four free throw attempts. And to me, his inability to, you know, create any kind of offensive threat, that really wiped it off. It showed that, that Boston didn't have a plan B for either the Miami zone or anything happening to their main guys. But but really, if we're going to be generous about it, that's true of, of you know virtually every team. Teams aren't showing up in game sevens expecting their best guy to get dinged. And it wasn't a small injury. You know, he really couldn't move in the second half. Now, why they didn't use him at the free throw line to distribute, to try and, and you know, at least de- use him as a decoy against the zone, we can quibble about that but you know the Celtics are who we thought they were they showed themselves to be a team that was somewhat rudderless and as soon as Tatum got dinged we saw the absence of a captain you know nobody was captain of that ship for the entirety of the game they kept throwing up these terrible threes they were undisciplined on offense and it it affected their defense because Miami once again Those roll guys had looks that were clean looks because the way the ball moves on the Miami end, and they knocked them down, and that was the ball game. So good job by us, but good job by the the Hoops God's dream. Yeah, I mean, really good job by the Hoops hoops guys. I mean, when you look at the fact that, you know, through the first quarter, it was just 22 to 15. I mean, this under was trading as low as about 186. So um, you never want to get too happy and and start talking about a result too early. But it felt like we cashed this under in the first quarter. And even with, you know, a big scoring outburst in the second quarter, I mean, it wasn't even close to getting there. So we didn't have to sweat this the entire time. So, I mean, that was beautiful. But, I mean, the main thing, I mean, Miami's defense was absolutely incredible. I mean, they switched um, They switched a series high 40 out of 58 pick and rolls in, in Game 7. Shout out to Kevin O'Connor for, you know, listen, he, 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 he pulled these numbers from second spectrum. And they held the Celtics to just point points. 6-9 points per play. So the Miami defense was there in a manner that I never even expected. And then you got to give it up to Caleb Martin. I mean, Caleb Martin, I mean, he didn't win series MVP. But, you know, let me let me break something down. They, were, they pretty much put Caleb Martin in the lineup for P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker last year in seven games, 45 points. In seven games this year, Caleb Martin, 135 points. So as good as P.J. Martin... Excuse me. As good as PJ Tucker was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year defensively, that extra scoring outburst was like, I'm huge for the Miami Heat. No doubt about it. And filled the void left by Tyler Hero, who got hurt earlier this postseason, where you wondered where Miami's secondary scoring was going to come from. And Caleb Martin provided that. House. I can't believe he didn't win Eastern Conference Finals MVP. And look, I don't get wrapped up in Eastern Conference Finals MVP. I didn't bet it. I didn't have a dog in a fight. It's not like it's NBA Finals MVP. Like, 
this is like a new phenomenon, the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things that doesn't have the same sort of historical significance. But my goodness, you know, Jimmy Butler had some dud games in this series. Now, I know he played really well in Game 7 and he came alive in a big way. But man, Caleb Martin stepping up the way that he did, if I had a vote, he would have been my Eastern Conference Finals MVP, just saying. He was definitely mine, and I bet if you asked the, the Miami Heat roster, if you went up and down that roster and asked them to pick their MVP, I bet they'd say Caleb Martin. The the activity on both sides of the ball is is was the, the compelling thing to me. I, I mean, the number of rebounds and him, his he's got a rebound intuition. He's flying in from the wings, from the corners. You know, he just was, was all over the court on both ends, and he shot lights out the entire series. I think uh, he, he averaged, you know, near near 20 points a game. But the more impressive thing to me is the three-point shooting percentage. I think he ended up around 46 or 47%. That's unstoppable. And Boston literally couldn't stop it. So he's my MVP. He was the difference maker in this series. Boston didn't have an answer for him in game one and didn't have an answer for him all the way through to game seven. And he's the biggest reason, from my perspective, that the Heat um, handled the business against the I got, I got to push back on that a little bit. I mean, good, good, good. I mean, we forget about Jimmy Butler's game one, where he had 35, 7, 6, and 5. And then in game two, he followed it up with 27 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. So those were two wins. And you got to remember, it's how you perform in the winning games that really matter. Now, Caleb Martin was incredible, but... We don't want to look back at this like the same way we do Steph Curry's, you know, non-finals MVP when Andre Iguodala won it in 2015. Like that was kind of a bad vote. And outside of that, we haven't seen voters deviate from the best player on the best team. I mean, as great as Caleb Martin was, if you take Jimmy Butler off this team, they have no chance in this series. So, well, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Listen, Jimmy Butler is the straw that stirs the drink. I disagree with the Iguodala MVP. I get your point, Raheem. They don't they, do the Warriors win the series if Steph Curry's not there. Does Miami win the series if Jimmy Butler's not there? Of course yeah. not. But like, I like the idea of really rewarding mm-hmm. the role player that kind of plays out of their freaking minds for a good stretch of games, and therefore ends up making a huge impact in the series. You know what I'm saying, dude? Like, that's always my feeling. And I know, listen, history. When you look at these great players, you want to see, oh, did they win finals MVP? Did they win this award? Did they win that award? Like, people hold that against Steph Curry, which is stupid. Like, there's no reason to hold that against him. He got off to a slow start in that particular NBA finals. And then, if you remember, he came alive and made enough plays. And, you know, the Warriors were a better team, and they ended up winning the series. I go back to that series, though. Like, I remember Iguodala playing brilliantly on LeBron James. Like, I know LeBron had some monster games. But, like, that was important to me. I think we'll look back on this series and say, yeah, Jimmy Butler was the best player hands down on the team. He won them games in Boston. No doubt about it. But Caleb Martin kind of pushed him over the top. Like, that. I guess it's beauty in the eyes of the beholder. I would have voted for Caleb Martin for what it's worth. I love Butler. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. But House, I would have voted for Caleb Martin. I'm not going to lie. I don't have any problem with Jimmy Butler winning it because when we look back and, and think about the entire run that the Miami Heat went on in the Eastern Conference in, in calendar year 2023, we're going to say it was Hemi Butler. It was Jimmy Buckets. Yeah. We're going to say, and it'll be appropriate. And so recognizing his uh, excellence throughout the playoffs in the form of an Eastern Conference Finals MVP, I, I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying and this is always the fun thing about these MVP awards. What are the criteria? What are we measuring? Blah, blah, blah. Jimmy Butler is the reason that the Miami Heat are playing in the NBA Finals in 2023, and that's awesome, and he's awesome, so I'm down for it. Yeah, it it was interesting because I know a lot of people felt like Jamal Murray should have won the Western Conference Finals MVP, and Jokic got it. So it feels like, I mean, the criteria is basically you have to be the best player. So um, it'll be interesting to see if we deviate from that in years to come. Well, we have a lot more discussion to come on what we will see with the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. But guys, one other aspect in this series that should not be overlooked here. And we talked about it at the beginning of the series. 
And you saw it again in game seven. How's you hit on it with Boston and their inability to hit threes and the lack of adjustments that you saw from one Joe Missoula. Yes, Jimmy Butler is the main reason why the Miami Heat are going to the NBA Finals. But the presence of Eric Spolstra and the coaching mismatch that we saw in this series was apparent, was obvious. Again, it ended up taking shape in Game 7. And listen, the Tatum injury, let's be clear about this. It compromised Boston. It did. But he still was on the floor. You're still at home. You lost three games at home on that parquet floor in Boston, Massachusetts. I don't want to hear the excuses from Celtic Nation. You got outcoached. You got outplayed. That's a narrative that's got to be talked about as well here. Spolstra, who, yes, is probably right now going the best coach in the NBA. If not, he's in the top three. If you want to dissect my list, be my guest. But that was a major storyline in this series once again, House. Major coaching mismatch for Miami over Boston. It was part of the diagnostic when we sat down at the beginning of this series and looked at the prices, the series prices. And it's why the Miami ticket, you know, was so fruitful. I bet Miami, I now keep repeating myself, Miami to win the series. And I, I did, you know, a silly ticket on Miami to win in game seven. But, you know, the coaching mismatch was a big part of, of why I thought that the way the market was set was, first of all, disrespectful to Miami, but but also kind of mispriced. I mean, it was leveraging a version of the, the Celtics that really didn't exist. Like the version of the Celtics that was the 85% implied probability favorite didn't exist in these playoffs. And we saw it against Atlanta, and we saw it against the Sixers, and they don't handle their business at home. And they're, like, finding their way. It is really, you know, this voyage that they're on with Joe Missoula. I mean, the fact that they won three straight games in this series against Miami probably saved his job. And, you know, they, they are now in this position where they have to figure something out because Jalen Brown was atrocious. The single biggest impact of the Tatum injury was Brown with the ball in his hands. See, the the, the problem with, with, with Tatum – not being fully functional is he he's a ball handler. He handles the ball for them. They don't really have a point guard. Marcus Smart's the point guard notionally, but Tatum brings the ball up a ton. Tatum initiates the offense a ton. Tatum coming from the wings, and all of that was replaced with Jalen Brown, who had ended up with eight turnovers. And, man, if you sit down and go through that game, I think you could get to double digits pretty easy. I think he got a favorable home, uh, you know, counting on on the turnovers but they have an issue they have to they have something you know they have an existential kind of crisis staring them in the face what are they going to do with Jalen Brown he said it himself he said he was terrible he was he he, he, could, he could not muster through either his skill or his basketball IQ anything to combat what the heat put on the Celtics defensively and that was you know, the single biggest difference in the game, I would say, Dream. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, you got to respect the fact that he owned it. I mean, you know, he had those eight turnovers. I, I mean, he was just eight for 23 from the field, but he owned it. And, you know, I mean, the Celtics are really in a tough position. I mean, I obviously would love to see, you know, Tatum and Brown continue their careers together, but they're in a position to where they're going to have to pay Jalen Brown the Supermax. And we don't even know if he wants to be in Boston in the first place. So... Celtics gonna have to make some hard choices this summer, and you know the maybe for the following year as well. So we'll see what happens. They're in a very weird spot because look, if you look at the last five or so years, they're in the conference finals a bunch. They get to an NBA finals. They've had plenty of successful regular seasons, but they're kind of now at a point now, House, where if they don't win it. Nobody cares. Like, I hate to say it that way, but they have kind of plateaued where it's like, okay, we've seen you in the playoffs. We've seen you make deep playoff runs, but when are you going to get it done? When are you going to get over the hump? And they didn't adjust all year to when their three wasn't going down. They didn't have a plan B. Like, Mizzou was asked about it after the game. And I thought he gave a lousy answer. I mean, I listen. I get geeked out by listening to a lot of these post games after a series ends. And Missoula was defiant. And I thought he was arrogant. And I thought he was stuck in his ways after hearing him. He's saying, well, we got to hit more threes. Well, maybe you got to adjust. 
you know, maybe you got to have a little bit of a different game plan where if the threes aren't going, you got to do something a little bit different. Even if the analytics tell you otherwise, House, maybe you got to adjust a little bit. Just saying. Well, the biggest thing is not all threes are the same. Like, you know, there, we, we now have advanced analytics that show us whether a three is contested or not, how close a defender was, the quality of the threes that Boston took in that game seven compared to the quality of the threes that Miami got. Miami's average like distance from defender on the threes that they took, I think was seven feet was one of the metrics that I saw. Boston's three three pointers were bad. They were not in the in the in the context of an offense. They weren't coming after multiple guys touched the ball. They weren't open looks. But the bigger challenge for the Celtics is the upcoming impact of the collective bargaining agreement, the new collective bargaining agreement, which is going to make it hard for them to surround Brown and Tatum with other guys and couple that with the fact that I, I think, you know, Al Horford's now officially Lair home status dream. And, <laughs> and, and they don't have a, a clean way of building up that, that front court. Robert Williams is a part-time player. He can't play, you know, 30 minutes a game over the course of a, of a regular season. They, they have no size. They don't have an answer for that. And I don't know where, how you go into the free agent market and, and, and correct that with a new uh, collective bargaining agreement restrictions dream. Yeah, I mean, it really puts them in a tough spot. I mean, Horford has been hanging on for a while, and he's had a great career. But, I mean, at some point, you know, you just get too old. And with Robert, Robert Williams, it's just him not being able to stay healthy. It just puts them in a bad spot. So it is looking like, you know, maybe they just have to trade Jalen Brown and make that hard decision um, and, and go younger and get more pieces. So um, we'll really see what happens. But um, very disappointing into the Boston Celtics season. Well, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I was downright giddy watching <laughs> that game seven. I've made it very, very clear. I did not need another thrill Boston comeback in my life. And, Funny story, actually, my sister, who works for House of Highlights TNT, is covering Game 7, wanted to be in the building for the big event, as did a certain colleague of ours, our boss, the outstanding pod father, Bill Simmons, and they run into each other. Caroline, very happy to see Bill, and I guess Bill asked her who's going to win, and my sister had a little more chutzpah than I did. I said the Heat would cover. I didn't think they'd win the game outright. She goes, Heat are going to win. Well, they go and win almost by 30 points. And the end result, guys, I mean, seeing the pod father going fishing with his dad. Good job by the TNT guys on that. Uh, and then Raheem, basically every gif and meme over the last 24 hours has been our pal, the pod father with this sad, woe is me face. I love it. Oh, my God. That was absolutely amazing. I actually saw one where they actually slowed down. Um, House of Pain's music, similar to the, the soundtrack to um, Us, where they did um, the Lunas, I Got Five on it, and they put it slow, and it was just like, it was just so spooky. It was just, I mean, absolutely hilarious. So, I mean, seeing Bill like that, I mean, I love him to death, but I'm not going to lie, I, I laughed so much yesterday. And, you know, just as a Sixers fan who probably should have beat the Celtics, we had him on the ropes in Game 6, I was happy to see it, but, I mean, honestly... This Celtics team is starting to look like the 90s Buffalo Bills or the early 2000s Eagles as a team who just can't get it done. Wow. JJ, I, I will quibble with, with one thing. Oh, uh, and I absolutely, obviously enjoyed very much all of the Bill Simmons slander out there. It was wonderful. I mean, we all, you know, we, we live in this Internet age. It's, it's, you know, any opportunity to celebrate at our, at our buddy's expense a little bit is worth it. But there is a dramatic difference, dramatic difference between the Boston Celtics potentially coming back and beating an eight-seed Heat, you know, handling their business the way that a, a prohibitive favorite was supposed to and what the Red Sox did to the Yankees. I mean, oh, I understand. I, totally agree. I understand totally agree. it would have been 3-0 comeback in that comparison, but this Celtics team messed around all season long and put themselves in a position where one ankle – turn was basically going to wreck their season and they got that the hoops guys looked down like nah we're not gonna have this this is not gonna be the 3-0 comeback this is it ain't it ain't gonna be these boston celtics you know what i mean jj no i totally get that and listen the historical significance you can't even put two and two together even if the celtics were able to go and pull this off because you were talking about 86 years of history with the yankees and the red sox but fun little fact before that 2004 series the Red Sox were favored against the Yankees. They were. Now, listen, 
I thought the Red Sox going into that series were going to win. I thought they were the better team. When the Yankees beat the you-know-what out of them 19-8 after game three, was I getting my broom and my party and doing everything that we were doing back in New York City at the time? Yes, it was. So I'm glad I don't have to relive that now for another week or two. All right, when we come back, the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets are playing in the NBA Finals. Here we go again with disrespect for the Miami Heat and the series price? I think so. We'll discuss that right after this. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. So now that the matchup is set for the NBA Finals, we have an opening series price on FanDuel Sportsbook, and it is way higher than I thought it would be. And it's a beautiful feeling for me. I'm not going to lie, because I can sit back and enjoy this series. I got the Nuggets from the preseason at the beginning of the year. I got a future on them to win the title. I jumped in on the Heat during the Knicks series as a little bit of an emotional hedge, and that was fun to watch over the course of this Eastern Conference Final, and I had the Heat at 15-1. So it's it's a nice position for me to be in, just saying, boys. But Raheem, as far as the price on this series, I feel like we got deja vu all over again with the Nuggets and with the Heat. And look, I think Denver is a better team. I think they're a more complete team. I heard Charles Barkley discussing how the lapses that you saw from the Boston Celtics you're not going to get the same lapses from the Denver Nuggets. I think a lot of that is true. But after what I've seen from Miami in this postseason, they took down Giannis and the Bucks. They take down a tough Nick team. They go after losing three straight games, going to the Boston Garden, and win a game seven basically by 30 points. The idea of basically making the Nuggets a 5-1 to one favorite in this series, I think is entirely overpriced, dude. That's the way I look at this price going into game one of the NBA Finals. I I know the books are smarter than me. I know there are geniuses in there working on this sort of stuff. I think this price is dead wrong, dude. I really do. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the books are saying that the Nuggets have an 82% chance of winning this series, and I'm not buying it. And you look at this Miami Heat team, I mean, during the regular season, they had eight games all regular season where they made 45% of their threes. They did it four times in the Boston series. And in the playoffs... They, they're the number one th- shooting three-point team. So it's just like this team is completely different. I mean, we thought that they would lose to the Bucks. I mean, many people thought that they would lose to the Knicks. People thought that they would lose to the Celtics. So it's tough to count this team out. And it does feel like this price is, is very steep. I just don't think they have an 82% chance of losing this series. I, I think it's closer to about, you know, 60 70%. So... I can't back the Miami Heat. I personally think the Nuggets are going to win this series. You guys know about my Game 7 trend. Teams that win Game 7 are just 36-50, and 50, 41% straight up in the following series since 1988. And we all know about the Game 1 trend. I mean, they're 33-53, and 53, 38%. So, and they don't have home court. I think the Nuggets, I mean, they're just absolutely dominant at home. They're 41-7 and 7 straight up at home in this regular season. And... Uh, there's no scenario where I see the Miami Heat going into Denver with all that altitude, with you know Tyler Harrell still banged up, Kyle Lowry getting old, th- how much they have to rely on Jimmy Butler, that they're going to go in there and win three road games in Denver. I just don't see that happening. So I can see why the books are pricing this the way they are, um, but it is a little high. 
Well, surprisingly, I think the books have it absolutely right. This is exactly the the to me the right price because I think there is a material difference between the Denver Nuggets and every other team in the East. I don't think there's any comparison. As soon as the freak got hurt, as soon as Giannis got hurt in in you know round round one in that Milwaukee series and made that series a jump ball. That negated to me the only other team that was even in in a potential caliber in class as the Denver Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are a different animal altogether. They they've shown us that throughout these playoffs. They haven't lost at home in these playoffs. They've only lost three games in in, in these playoffs. They they have an identity. They know who they are. They defend the three extraordinarily well. They have a top ten defense since January the first. They're the best uh, offensive team uh, by every metric in the playoffs and were, you know, top three offense throughout the entire regular season. And, I, you know, the matchup in, in itself is particularly challenging for Miami. Denver beats Miami's butt, and they've been beating their butt for years now. And Bam's numbers against the Joker – are abominable the joker loves what he sees he he puts a it's like a, a giant it's when i see lobster coming to the table this giant <laughs> and i get the bib and i tie it on myself i don't want anybody touching the bib I, i'll just tie it on myself that's how excited i am when i see this is the way i think the joker looks at it and some of the stuff that we're seeing in in the preliminary sizing up that's coming from all quarters of nba twitter and and all the sites and everything I mean, the, the matchups are bad for Miami at every position. Uh, I, so so much so that, you know, I, I think there's a, a scenario under which the Joker might be more of a distributor kind of role, and we'll get to this, but I think there's a little bit of a, a possibility of, of playing Jamal Murray as, as potential MVP in this series because the Joker can collect his triple-doubles. They could be 10-10-10s. And they're going to win all, all those games and let Jamal Murray go off and get his 30-35 and just handle their business. I, I think that Denver is in a radically different class than anything that Miami has seen. And the home court advantage that Denver has is unmatched. And I just think they're going to roll. House, you make a really good point. My fault to cut you off, JJ. Oh, House, you make a really great go. point about Jokic and Bam. I mean, Jokic is shooting 63% by, when guarded by Bam out of bio. Um, the last two seasons, and he's shooting 68% against the Heat across the last two seasons in general. And then to add on to that, we all know the Miami Heat. They throw a zone out there, and it worked against the Boston Celtics. But guess who was the number one offense against the zone in the regular season and the playoffs? The Denver Nuggets. So the Heat are really in a, a tough spot. And I don't, I mean, we all know Eric Spoelstra is one of the best coaches in the league, probably the best coach in the league. But I don't think there's anything that they can throw at this Denver Nuggets team they have they haven't already seen. We saw the Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers. They go small by putting, you know, Roy Hachimori or PJ Tucker on Jokic. Jokic still found a way to carve it up. We saw them press Jamal Murray. They still find a way to carve it up. Like you gotta look at a guy like Michael Porter Jr. I mean, this guy's 6'10. Who in the Miami Heat can guard this guy? They got a lot of uh, smaller guys. So they're in a tough position having to guard Jokic. They're in a tough position having to guard Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And we all know that this, this Nuggets offense is just is super balanced. I mean, they got guys who can hit the three. I mean, Jokic is just one of the best passers of all time. So it is a rough spot for Miami. Listen, Miami is in a position where they're behind the eight ball. They had to go seven games. They got to go to Denver. They're not going to have their sea legs under them going into game one. And we'll discuss and dissect game one in a matter of moments. But I think we have to acknowledge here, fellas, this team is wired differently. They are. You, you can't tell me any other way. They have a lot of dog in them. They are not going to be intimidated by the stage. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the Nuggets. Nuggets are more talented. Nuggets are probably going to find a way to win this series. I just don't buy for a minute that this is a four-game series where it's like, wow, Miami just just can't. Miami, to me, is going to have a moment or two in this series with Butler, with Spolster and what he can do. Their guys can go off from three at any moment at any time. 
And as dominant as Denver has been, and listen, I think Denver's winning the series. I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I, I, I thought Denver was winning the championship going back to the start of the postseason. So that's how high I am on the Nuggets. But we've seen Miami playing a lot of these games. Denver, on the other hand, listen, all right, they had conference finals experience back in the bubble. This year they get through and make it to the NBA finals, but they're not as postseason tested. They're not. And if you tell me Denver, as dominant as they've been at home, Road, not as good. Not as good. You know, those two games against the Lakers, they were in it. They lost two games to the Phoenix Suns. Remember, game three, game four. I think this has like six-game series written all over the house. That's kind of the way I see it. I think Denver will hold serve and win the first two games. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami is able to go and hold serve, whatever the case may be. But I do think this series will be more competitive than the betting prices indicating at minus 500. That's my two cents. Eh, I mean, you said moment or two. That means 4-1 or 4-2. That, that's fine. 4-2 feels like a stretch. I've already bet 4-1. I've already bet Denver to win 4-1. I bet the how many games will be in the series. I bet that, you know, five games. I have a tiny bit on six and a tiny bit on the sweep as well. But this this looks like a 4-1 series to me. Um, and, you know, I, I made the case. I just think Denver... Not it's not disrespectful to Miami to say that Denver's in a different class than anybody really in the entire NBA in a particularly brutal matchup for this Miami team after the the seven game series that they're coming off of. The one thing I will say is that I don't think the West was particularly good. I mean, when you look at, you know, some of the matchups that Denver played, I mean, they played the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, nobody expected them to go far. They played the Phoenix Suns, who I mean, they really lacked a lot of depth. And then they lost Chris. They had two players. Yeah, and they lost two Chris players. Paul. And then the Los Angeles Lakers, to me, I, I don't think that they were as good as advertised. So I think the best teams in the NBA came from the East. I think, you know, when you look at the fact that the Boston Celtics, had they made it through this series, they'd be favored against the Nuggets. And I think that was actually a favorable matchup for the Boston Celtics. Now, I mean, it sounds funny now because, I mean, this is a team that was down three games to nothing against the Heat, but that would have been a favorable matchup. I also think Philly might have been a good matchup for the Nuggets. That said, I mean, we all know the Nuggets are in a different class than the Heat, but I I got to I gotta put some respect on the Miami Heat. I think, you know, they're going to win one or two games in this series. I'm personally going to take the Denver Nuggets minus one and a half on the series spread. I got to put some respect on the Miami Heat. I think they'll get at least two games, but I think, you know, the Nuggets will show that they should be able to win this in six. House, let's save the VIG. Unless you're getting plus money on this. I'm seeing on FanDuel alternate series handicaps. Actually, no wonder why I'm making this bet because Miami at plus two and a half is at minus 144. So I'm really I'm really trying to con you here. I didn't realize it. But now that I now bring it up, do we have a gentleman's wager though on two and a half games? Because it sure seems like you're in the four or five game direction. I'm in the more lengthy series direction. I sense a gentleman wager. Let's do it. I, I already owe you. I owe you a round of golf for the NCAA, some bad NCAA bet. How about I, a dinner? How about a dinner? A dinner Next would be wonderful. Next time I'm in D.C. with yes. some Old Bay crabs or some you got lobster it. You or got something it. along yes, the Yes, yes, yes. We'll get a nice mid-Atlantic spread pulled together. We'll have crab cakes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the whole thing lined up. Some of the delicious Virginia farm produce. J.J., I'll get the spread ready. Um but I'm not going to have to do that. I'm just going to come to New York and have you buy me a tr- tremendous meal at Rayo's or, you know, uh, o- o- over at, at Lucali's or we'll, we'll go and see our, our good friends. Lucali right around the corner. We'll go I see just our, got to text Mark. That's all you got to do. Our good friends at, at, at Peter Luger, right? I, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it the, the wager is on, my friend. We have some options. All right, when we come back, we'll dive into game one of the NBA Finals. The dream Loves bringing up the trend of teams that play in a game seven and how they got to respond in the next series moving forward. But we'll also dive into maybe the scoring leader, the assist leader, all sorts of good stuff that you can find on FanDuel Sportsbook. Game one preview, the NBA Finals coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, game one NBA Finals, monstrous number, Raheem. The Denver Nuggets are nine-point favorites. Fair to say that the books are factoring in the little game one trend that you just mentioned to us a few moments ago? Yeah, I think they're not only factoring that in, it just feels like the, the market is just, you know, betting it up heavily. So I saw some eight and a half. So I think it was seven and a half at one point. It's getting bet up to a point where, I mean, I, I can't touch the Miami Heat. I'm just going to try to find the best number I can on the Denver Nuggets and, and take it from there. I'm in the same boat. I got him at eight last night. I was waiting for the books to pop open. I never saw seven and a half. I would have pounded that. Um, but I, I went, I got in at eight and then I gave myself 15 minutes and I got in right again at eight. I mean, it was just, it, it, it's too much. This, the situation for now you, there's a different stat that you have dreamed for teams coming off a of game seven and into a game one. That's different from teams that have played all the way into a game seven, won that series. And then what the series outcome will be. So the, you, you, you shared with us the series outcome. The, the, the team that won the seven-game series only comes and wins the next series 41% of the time. But I think the game one trend is even worse. Like a team coming off of a game seven into a game one, it, it, it's dire circumstances yeah, it's, it's for 30, that team, right? It's 33 and 53. That's 38.3%. Um, and then if you want to get even deeper and you want to talk about teams who have a rest advantage, um, when you look at teams who had a rest advantage, at least a five-day rest advantage, I think they're 10 and 6. But then when you look at teams who have a rest advantage and are, are at home, they're 8 and 1 in the NBA Finals. Um, and the only loss for a team who had – a five-day rest advantage and was at home was the Utah Jazz against the last dance Chicago Bulls in 1998. Okay. My one counter, and I know a lot of the data and a lot of the statistics out there are going to point against the Heat, not only for the series, but for game one. But House, the Denver Nuggets have not played a basketball game in quite a while. And that's a team that had great rhythm. They had great cohesion. They were firing on all cylinders in that Lakers series. And I'm sorry, it's not the same. You got a Heat team that, yes, might be winded, might be out of gas, altitude, all of that is a factor. But they're in game shape. They've been playing a lot of basketball. They're, they're in rhythm. They feel like, all right, we, we're going to go into this series and just continue what we did against Boston. Is there any fear factor with Denver not playing now for about a week and a half? That was a long layoff for them. JJ, that's what the first quarter is for. And I, and I think, you know, to the extent that we see any sluggishness, sluggishness at all, it will be in the first quarter. It will be Denver getting back up to game speed. And if I see anything that I don't like over the course of that first quarter, then I'll just live bet. You know, there'll, there'll be a spread that, that will be dog. juicy. We'll just live bet right out of the, the position if I'm worried about the eight eight points that I'm laying. Just live bet the Nuggets. That'll be fun. I actually hope that my, Miami comes out and beats their ass in the first quarter so I can live bet the Nuggets on the money line and double down on the whole thing. That would, that would be marvelous. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like live betting. I mean, and this would be the perfect opportunity if, you know, Miami came out and, you know, won the first quarter. Um, you know, it's so funny. Um, NBA TV is actually showing um, the 2001 Sixers documentary. Um, and I kind of had a vision, you know, what if Miami came out and stole game one and we can get a better price on the Nuggets. But um, I, I can't bet on that happen with the way, you know, the Nuggets play at home. I'm kind of hoping that happens because <laughs> right now the way my, my tickets stack up, I got a 15 to one ticket on the heat. I don't have as juicy a price on the Nuggets. I think I have either eight to one or 10 to one, which is fine. But I'm like, man, if I could get a Miami game one win to your point for <laughs> then I'm going to get a nice split the baby number that is ideal, that is perfect, you name it. 
I'm going to surprise you guys here, though. I think Miami's covering game one. Mm. I'm taking them right now. I, I, I think that it's getting a little too overpriced for my liking. I think Denver is going to be rusty. And I think we saw it in game one of the Lakers series. Remember, Denver was dominating. They were up big. Then all of a sudden, they let the Lakers right back in the game. And the Lakers were right in that game till a bitter end. It ended up being like, I think it was a five and a half or a six point spread. I remember losing a heartbreaker. I was not happy because I had the Nuggets in game one. But I think we're going to have a competitive game one right out of the gate. That's my two cents. I think Miami is in the game. Denver wins. I'll say it's like a three, four point game, give or take. That's fine. I'm not mad at it. I mean, you have to uh, give recognition to the fact that Miami is number one in these playoffs in scoring points off of turnovers. And the Boston Celtics were absolutely down to be accomplices for that. God, they turned the ball over. And the turnovers were so bad. That's a big part of why Miami handled Boston. Denver does not turn the ball over very much. They have the third fewest turnovers of any team in the playoffs. But having said all that, game one, the rust that you're talking about, JJ, that's where you might not be firing on all engines. And also that perimeter defense, you know, it's been a strength of Denver all season long is guarding the three. Maybe that doesn't, you know, match up 100% in, in game one, you know, because they're just practicing against each other. They're so sick of playing against each other. The excitement of finally getting into it, may, may, maybe so, but I, I stand by the Nuggets minus the eight, and I also will be very much looking forward to live betting if Nuggets go down at all early in this game. So coming up, boys, we're going to have a look at the MVP market. FanDuel also has who can be the leading scorer in the NBA Finals. You can bet on that. They have who's going to hit the most threes. You're not going to want to get involved with rebounds and and assists. Total waste of time because I think we know there's a certain center who plays for the Nuggets who's going to win both of those. And trust me, you don't want to get involved in anybody else. But FanDuel and the Ringer, they got an NBA Finals specials contest. Super cool. Users, they get a boost token. You can apply to any ringer special listed for the NBA Finals. You got our picks and our SGP that we're going to have coming up for game one. The Podfather's going to have a bunch of stuff. You want to check what Bill's got going on, the other ringer staff, whatever that uh, Motley crew puts together. It's all going to be up on the FanDuel website, and it's good stuff. Listen, FanDuel, ringer, synergy, it's all beautiful. But when we come back, we'll have a look at that MVP market. We'll have a look at the specials that are coming your way. That's next. All right, look, boys. You can't bet assists and you can't bet rebounds because Jokic is minus uh, two zillion. That's basically what it boils down to. So don't even waste your time unless you're looking for a lottery ticket, be my guess. But Raheem, scoring leader, Jokic, plus 110. Jimmy Butler is plus 170. Jamal Murray is at plus 260. Any interest there? This is tough for me just because when I look at the the Nuggets, I think they're just such a balanced scoring team. Um, So, I I mean, anybody could score on any given night. You know, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Michael Porter Jr. just had a monster series because I don't think they have anybody to defend him. Um, Obviously, Jokic is the favorite for a reason. But if I had to go with somebody, I probably would go with Jimmy Butler because they're going to need him to, you know, really match point for point. JJ, my favorite um, name amongst that list, and I actually have already dabbled in the MVP market, is Jamal Murray. It's Jamal Murray. And the reason it's Jamal Murray is because Denver, by design, um, lets him have the ultimate green light. And, you know, we saw it a couple times against the Lakers. He can shoot terrible for three quarters and then come out and have an 18-point or 20-point fourth quarter and take, you know, a 15-point game where he's, you know, got 15 through three quarters, five points a quarter, and then it's all of a sudden a 30- to 35-point game for Jamal Murray because he has that ultimate green light because Denver has, as as its offensive identity at its core, a tremendous green light for Jamal Murray, this version of Jamal Murray, playoff Jamal Murray, and it's the same reason that I bet him uh, for MVP – at double-digit odds, I think I got him at fourteen to one. I think it's available right now on FanDuel at around twelve to one or so. But That's a nice I, number. I, I like double-digit odds on Jamal Murray because Miami will not really have an answer for, for for Joker. 
but he doesn't need to score for Denver to be successful. He just needs to do what he's been doing all season long. He's the ultimate distributor, the unmatched distributor, the combination of rebounds, putbacks that he'll get. His He guesses the ball at the free throw line, immediately swings it to the open guy every single time, never makes a mistake in that respect. I think all of that makes it worth just on the odds basis, uh, you know, a little speculation in the Jamal Murray market. Okay, so you mentioned Jamal Murray, and I like those odds for finals MVP. They are juicy. They are enticing. Most stories made. He's the favorite at minus 145. Michael Porter's at plus 240. Gabe Vincent, 12 to 1. Caleb Martin, 13 to 1. Max Struess, 20 to 1. Is there any way, Raheem, somebody other than Jamal Murray hits the most amount of threes in this series? Any shot? Yeah, I think you got to go with, you know, Honestly, I, I really like Michael Porter Jr. I just don't think that they have anybody to defend him in this series. I, I really don't. Um, but, I mean, like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, I mean, those guys are kind of wild cards. I mean, like on any given night, any one of them can go off. So, I mean, and then also you got to remember, Tyler Hero might come back for this series. So, um See, that's my problem with any of those Heat guys, Raheem. And House, that's why I won't get as juicy as like Struess and Vincent might be. It seems like with the Heat, it's like a different guy every night that steps up. So, like, and if Hero comes back, that throws another monkey wrench into things. I'm out on the Heat, guys. I like Porter Jr. as well. Yeah, It's a bummer. I would have bet Caleb Martin. I absolutely adore that number for him. Uh, what was it? The, in double digits, right? Double digits for sure. I think 12 or 13 to 1. I'm gonna yeah, so, he's on a heater. Yes. Yeah. He, he's on such a heater. He's got that tremendous confidence right now. Every, every look he gets, he feels like... He's going to make, and their offense produces great looks um, for him in particular. Um, but the hero wild card just just pours water all over every single heat option there. So I'll just join you boys on MPJ. I'm fine with that. When we come back, we'll have some quick hits from the boys. Raheem's basketball team's got a new head coach. House, we got a golf tournament to bet. We'll wrap it up. East Coast Bias coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. So before we say goodbye, Raheem, you have a new basketball coach, and I think you nailed it. I think you got the best coach on the market. He's an NBA champion with the Toronto Raptors. Beat the Sixers on that Kawhi Leonard shot a couple of years ago. Nick Nurse going to be the guy to get you to the promised land? How do we feel about um, that? I have mixed feelings on it. I, I think the jury is still out on Nick Nurse. I think he is a good coach, and I think, you know, we obviously hired him just because of his, because of his connection with Daryl Morey. But the thing I'm concerned about with Nick Nurse is that he plays his guys heavy minutes, and we all know Joel Embiid, he is injury prone and he's a guy who you need to load manage as much as possible. He didn't do that with the Toronto guys. And if we bring back James Harden, James Harden 
is at the tail end of his prime. And he also needs to be load managed as well. Um, so I'm not sure if Nick Nurse is the guy who's going to do that. He's very similar to, to Tom Thibodeau. Um, and that he just, you know, he plays this guy's heavy minutes. So that scares me. Um, I do think he's a solid coach. And I think he makes a ton of adjustments. He's known for his junk defenses. He'll throw a boxing one out there. He'll throw a zone out there. So unlike you know, Dot Glenn Rivers, he's going to throw some adjustments out there. So I do I do like that about him. But I think ultimately, without any roster moves, getting rid of Tobias Harris, upgrading the bench, the Sixers are going to be the same place where they were last year. Well, I'm hopeful that you guys decide to blow it up. And then all of a sudden, Joel Embiid is on the market for the New York Knicks. But that's not problem. JJ, how dare <laughs> you? How I'm trying to dare to dream a little bit. I'm I will say this morning. I want to weigh in on Nick Nurse. I honestly think it, it it could be a lot of glass half full because he's never had a center like Joel Embiid. He's never had a distributor like James Harden. And there are some guys on that Sixers uh, roster that do match up favorably with what he had in Toronto in terms of playing a pushed out perimeter defense and trying to grab offensive rebounds and score that way so it's going to be an ex- exciting experiment quick shout out to my washington wizards franchise we get we have a president of basketball michael winger very well respected all of the nba hoop heads are sending me congratulations it remains to be seen here in dc jj but i'm excited to have something to look forward to you know what i mean Listen, you totally take it, and you'll see if maybe you could get your Wizards franchise turned around. You've been too irrelevant for too long, my man. A uh, real quick house. Good golf tournament this week. Jack's tournament. A lot of the stars out. You see a heavy hitter winning this thing. What's your gut feel on the Memorial? I'm just a tiny bit down. I'm looking for value. Um, this this golf course is a long par 72, and there are some correlations to other Jack Nicholas designs. Most uh, notably down in, in Florida, the Honda Nationals. So some names that I'm looking at, Shane Lowry is available at, at, a, at a good price. Terrell Hatton um, is right there at 25 to 1. Victor Hovland, who we've seen now in their first two majors of the year, available at 18 to 1. Lowry, 55 to 1 to win. So you're looking at nice prices on top 20 and top 10 for all three of those guys. That's the way I would lean for this tournament, but another designated tournament. So all the heavy hitters are out 20 million bucks in, in, in the pot. That, that is not chump change. JJ. You ain't kidding. Uh, I might ride you there with Shane Lowry. And one I'm thinking about here, one Rory McIlroy, 14 to one to go and win Jack's tournament. I, you don't normally get Rory at 14 to one. So juicy price there. I don't think he'll end up winning a major. That is something we'll consider. And maybe that'll be a little dabble for us. Taking us into the weekend. Good job by the boys. Raheem Palmer, Joe House, John Jastrzemski signing off. Want to thank the Wargon Warrior as always. We will be back Friday on the Ringer Gambling Show. Recap. Game one of the NBA Finals. Raheem will have all sorts of stuff with the 100 coming up over the next few days. And we'll be back next week on FanDuel TV. Boys are out. Be good, everybody.